Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Father, I pray as we get into your word that you would help us. Truly, it's the entrance of your word that brings light and life. And I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine bright here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word, these your people will see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer and every glad, happy, exuberant heart. Say amen. amen. Glory to God. Awesome. Awesome Savior. Um, I do want to start off with a complaint about the congregation and who you are and how you treat me. Someone is playing a very cruel joke on me um, in the congregation um, because over the recent months, I've been getting frequent uh, telemarketer calls. And um, I know I didn't give them my number. So it had to be one of you and you need to confess and what's so irritating about it is that, you know, if they call you, you just say, put me on your do not call list. Say it with some authority, some, some clarity, and then they can't call you anymore. But my wife heard me speaking rudely to the telemarketers, and she said, that's not what believers do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Not only have you ruined my life by having given my number out, now my wife wants me to be a good Christian to the telemarketers, so I have to listen to them. So I want to thank you for helping me sign up for stuff I don't want. And I think that that is something that happens to all of us. Recently, my son's football team in Rimwood, they were doing a, a cleanup day. And you know, you're supposed to sign up and let people know you're coming. I want you to know I did not sign up. They didn't get me, but I showed up. And the reason I didn't sign up, but I showed up is because I wanted to participate, but I wanted to know, I wanted to come when I was ready. And I wanted to leave when I was ready. And I didn't want to be under some man's thumb waiting for endless volunteering that I cannot control. I'm not against volunteering, but you guys know as the fall approaches, my anxiety raises up because it's the time when the sign-up sheet comes your way. You know, there's an addiction to the sign-up sheet. It's passed every week, all of the time. Someone wants you to volunteer for something. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good to just throw yourself out there. It's just... So many options, and it's become difficult to prioritize. I know volunteering in church is important. Oh, but we don't volunteer, we... Yes, ooh, glory to God, you educated people, <laughs> hallelujah. So, you know, it's, it's tough, you know? And, and, I, and, and, and you know, and I, and I thought to myself as I was writing this down, 
how come it's tough? How come it's tough? And uh, I thought about experiences where we needed volunteers like intercessory prayer, evangelism, outreach, and times when it went wrong, like when I went to the intercessors meeting to do intercessory prayer, and I got 10 people who had visions of me, and, I, and, and it was just unclear. And I didn't know that I could get visioned so much when I went to volunteer um, there. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't an interesting experience back, back in the day. And then I've been where, you know, you sign up to do the evangelism class, and they say, you don't need any experience. It's going to be great. We're going to show you everything. And then on the first day, they throw you out there. And you say, I remember the first time I went out on my first evangelism, and they, and they, and they assigned me to go, go knock on the door of a crack house and preach the gospel. It's, it's just not the, it's not the first day. I'm 19, you know. Just, I'm just, you know, it's not, the, it's not the first day. But, you know, some of the things that make you not want to volunteer, and finally I went, um, Pastor JT, you were on this trip with us, uh, me, Debbie, you, um, we all went to Bolivia, and... Um, he was a part of the team that thought that it was God's best to use my gifts to take five days to dig the latrine for the church. About, they said, just get it down about six or eight feet deep. And, you know, God bless them for thinking that I was qualified for, you know, latrine building. But I, I, I felt, if I can tell you the truth, Pastor JT, that was a mismanagement of my gifts. But... But, but I signed up. And sometimes if your sign-ups are mismanaged, you don't tend to want to sign up again. I think that we all value the things I was talking about, but it becomes kind of difficult to figure out what to prioritize in this world where the sign-up is just a part of the basic standards. Today, I hope that as we look through the Scripture, that we will discover some of the greater um, ways that Jesus gives us to think about the sign-ups and the opportunities to serve. So we have been talking uh, week one in service from him. Remember, he washed the disciples' feet. If you didn't hear that sermon, we want you to go online and want you to listen to it. Sermon two was service to him. That woman washed his feet, anointed, anointed him, loved on Jesus. Boy, I'm still living off that love that I was able to win. And now, today we're gonna to talk about service to him. To contextualize where we are, I want you to turn to Matthew 25. We're gonna read uh, from the 14th verse to the 18th verse, and we'll get going right here. I'm gonna say, ready, read, and those of you in our Dixon congregation who are watching live right now because they're officially Bethel Dixon, can we give them a hand? So I know you don't think we see you, but Lloyd and Sheila and Nancy and Gary and all the gang there, we love you, we see you. And we want to read this scripture together, you guys online and, and in Bethel Dixon, I want you to read along with us. I'm going to say you're ready and you're going to read with power. Ready? Read!
Now, we can see, let me help you catch up to where the story is. This is the Olivet Discourse. This is Jesus preaching on the uh, Mount of Olives. This is him answering the questions of what's going to be the sign of, uh, of, your, of your coming. It's Jesus kind of using all these parables and stories to get them in a ready position, in an aware position of how they should be functioning uh, un- until, until he returns. And he's already told the story of five foolish versions and five wise versions, one who Five uh, wise had oil and five foolish didn't. One were entered into the joy of the Lord and one entered into the judgment of God. And, and it's in that context that verse 14 starts up and he says, the master was going on a long journey and he gave resources to his servants. The first thing you have to understand is who you are in the story. You are not the master. And if you're not the master, you only got one other option, you're the servant, the slave, or the employee. Everyone in this room, if you're 18 and older, or if you're from the house I grew up in, you had to start working when you're 12, you have to work. You have to work to eat. And in this context, you want to understand that Jesus is telling the story to help people get ready for his second coming and he's making the distinction that there is somebody who's in charge and there's somebody who serves. And I know that it's difficult whenever we use the word slavery or slave or servant to take your mind all the way back to, to some of the atrocities of, of this nation. But in that particular Roman culture at the time, you had a third of the people who were slave and you had a third of the people maybe who were slave owners. It, this, was, this was a very... Um, in your face, uh, easy to comprehend message about what was going on and, and what was going on. But what, what you see is, though the slaves seemingly had no authority, they had some dignity and some level of honor that the master would leave in their charge any type of resources. A, a, a talent was probably, uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a coin, it's a, 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 a unit of a measurement. And so one talent would be probably equal to 6,000 denarii, which is a day wage, which would be like one talent equals 20 years worth of money. So five talents is like 100 years worth of money. So this is a lot of money. Y'all know this. To leave this amount of money in the hands of somebody, you actually trust them. And my question to you is, He's given you a job to do. Will you do it for him? He's given you a job. And the Bible says he not only gave them their job, he gave them the ability to do the job. It's one thing for somebody to say you could do, uh, you, you have a responsibility. It's another thing for them to know if you're equipped or not to do it. Each of them had a job. I love that. When God goes away, he doesn't leave any person on this planet without purpose, without direction, without a focus, without some, uh, something to put their hands to work and to do. There's an argument between his disciples and the other verses about who's the greatest in the kingdom of, uh, of God and who's going to sit on the left and who's going to sit on the right. And he begins to talk to them about the quality of their service and how they serve. You know, there is... No job on the, I've always had this statement as a teenager. There's no job on the planet I can't get. 
There's no job on the planet that I can't get. Y'all looking at me like, yeah, there's some stuff. There's some scientist jobs. I told you. There's no job on the planet that I can't get because I understand this principle. I, was, I told this at the end of the end of church last time. I'm going to turn to the beginning of the church now. And I, so, so when I was 15 years old, my mom dressed me up in a suit. She came to me and she said, son, uh, here's $7. We were standing on the porch. She went back inside, closed the screen, and, you know, talked to me. She said, I want you to know you are now homeless. Don't come back to the house without a job. She said, if you come back to the house without a job, I'll call the police and say, it's a strange man outside trying to get in. Could y'all come and help me? She meant it. She was the boss. I was the person under authority. I had no options. I had no choice. That had been decided already. I had to do it. But I went out. I spent most of my money on bus fare to get to my location. I spent the next amount of my money on a lunch. And then I just, I was lost. I ended up in a place to get some air condition in the movie theater lobby. And I put in an application and I asked the man for a job and he told me the three things that the other people that day had told me. Number one, we're not hiring. Number two, you can't interview and get the job on the same day. Number three, you're not, you're not old enough. So I realized that I was in a crisis. So what did I do? I went and got the dustpan and I got the broom and I just began to sweep all the popcorn up. <laughs> Took my jacket off, because I had a suit on, remember? Put it in the back. And, you know, this has been going on for a while, so, you know, there's only so much carpet you can sweep. And I went and got the, went in the back, you know, like I was supposed to go back there, got the spritz and the paper towel, and just start cleaning the windows. <laughs> Until the general manager says, I said, come on over here. You need to stop doing that. I said, no, I'm fine. He said, no, I want you to stop doing that. I said, I can't stop. He said, okay, listen, I'm going to hire you. I said, today? He said, today. I said, well, good. You need to call my mama because she said I ain't got nowhere to live and I don't, I don't have no money to get home until she, she gives me this. But I, I'm going to say, you know, service opened the door for the person in authority to trust me with more. These people who received the talents were faithful. They, they actually, the one, who had five, uh, the one that had two produced four, they all doubled. Except one guy, he buried his. The question is, you have been given a job to do. Will you do it? Will you do it for him? Each one of us can sometimes forget we have an employer. And it's, you know, here, here's the reality. You know, a lot of times, the statistics say Americans work more hours than anybody else and take the fewest amount of days off. Aren't you proud of yourself, you workaholics? The problem with that is, is that the statistics also say out of the eight or nine hours of work you do, you only actually are productive at doing work for three of them. 
The rest of the time, while your boss has told you to be productive for the company, you know, you answer your emails, you know, you call your loved ones, you go, they statistics say you do some shop, online shopping, order your groceries, um, check on your kids, hang out. Some people take an hour power nap at their desk. So basically, we waste more time than we work, even though we clock in for the time. Now, somebody's saying, well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm, I'm, of course, I, I know it's not you. It's whoever that is, you know if it, the description fits you. But the question is, will you work for him? I know there's a lot of sign-up sheets and there's a lot of priorities, and you yourself being one of those priorities. But the Bible says, he that will find his life will lose it, and he that will lose his life for my sake will find it. There is somehow this competition between what God has assigned you to do and entrusted you to do and what you actually are doing. They were entrusted, and no matter how many other responsibilities they had, the person who's the boss had already given them that priorities for their work. Will you work for him? You know, we go on. Let's go on in the scriptures. Uh, let's go to uh, verse 19. Why don't y'all read that? Ready? Read. Okay, that's good. Thank you. So he says in verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. There's something that happens when the master entrusts you with an assignment, but then he's invisible and you're left with your own integrity to fulfill the desires and the wishes of your master. There's a time when, when you're given the instruction, you're given the empowerment, you're given the treasure, you're given the time, you're given the talent, and you know exactly what to do with it, but you've got to make the choice of whether or not you're going to do it. When, when, when the master's away, there's no one reminding you. There's no one standing over you. There's no one forcing you. There's no one telling you, come on, get up. You know you're needed. You know you've got to get busy. If you're anything like me, when I was a young man and my mom, it was summertime, my mom would go away from work and she would leave us with some instructions. She would say, I want y'all to clean the house. I want you to wash the dishes. I want you to cut the grass and all that. And if you do all of that kind of stuff, then you can go and you can have some fun. So what do we do when she's gone? Have fun. Fun time. You know, because in my mind, I know she's not going to be back till five or six and just around five or six, I'll start cleaning up. I'm not going to clean up, I'm going to straighten up. You mean, I'm just going to get stuff in order enough where she don't notice that I just threw stuff in the closet. But how many know she never comes home when she says she comes home early? <laughs> it's something that lulls us to sleep when we hear this. But when the guy received the five talents, 
He delivered him. He, he, the, the Bible says, he, he came forward and he said, look what I've done. I've increased. I've given you more. He had to give an account. The account that he had to give was because God had been, uh, in this story, that the master had been clear with him how he wanted him to increase it, what he wanted him to do. And believe it or not, this word is, 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 is a logos word. It's, it's a specific word. It's, 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 it's giving you the exact of what he wants you to do. And being a bond servant, coming alongside, they're almost in like this partnership. We're working together. It's not a top-down feeling, though you have a boss and you have an employer, you have a slave and you have a master. There's a, there's a camaraderie one with another. There's not a, a, a separation of source. There's a, there's a, there's a, a tangible feeling, a familiar feeling but between them, and he increases. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, many a man proclaim his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. These men were faithful, and they were called good. Man, I want God to call me good. I mean, I want God to call you. He didn't say he did good. He said he was good. That showed that the nature of God the steadfastness of God was resident in these young men. He said, but you know what it's like when you, you have confidence in an unfaithful person? Proverbs 25, 19 says, confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You ever you tell somebody, they tell you they're going to show up to help you, but they don't show up? That's tough. Have you ever been that person? You said you were going to do it. You intended to do it. You didn't call. You didn't check in. He says, excellent. He settles his accounts. The Bible, the Bible says in Luke 19, I love this. He says in another story where God is talking about the minus or the pounds, he said everybody was given one minus. The first guy given one minus made he, he, uh, he turned it into 10, and the next guy turned it into 5. He said, the guy who turned it into 10, he said, I'm going to give you 10 cities. And the guy who turned it into 5 said, I'm going to give you 5 cities. So basically, he's saying, when you can be a good steward over your earthly treasure, when you enter into the joy of the Lord, when you enter into the favor of God, when, you, when, you, when you're that good and faithful servant, he gives you the opportunity in the next realm to serve him at a higher level. See, the real true riches is people. Cities are filled with people. And God is a part of an ever-increasing kingdom. He's telling you on his second coming that it's not over. He says, basically, what you do here is going to determine how you and I can act together later. And I want you to, I want, I want you to act a certain way. And look at Ephesians 5 and 16 in Amplified Version. I want to read this to you because this is what he's trying to do. He said, and I want you to make the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity, using it with wisdom and diligence because, uh, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be filled with foolish thoughts, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. 
Take advantage of the opportunity. Life is an opportunity to find God, to find his will for, for your life, to be, be a good steward of it, to be faithful over little, so in the next kingdom he can make you ruler over much. And it is not that you are doing it just to get something. He's saying the nature of God is to reward you for what you do. He's not trying to uh, 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 just abuse you. He's trying to bless you. And it seems like when a relationship is master and slave or employee and employer, that somehow that the employer or the master can't have your best interest in mind. In this case, God has your best interest in mind. Moses was called a servant. Abraham was called a servant. Joshua was called a, a servant. Christ himself was called a servant. Paul was called a bond servant. Peter was called a bond servant. Jude was called a bond servant. We are called the servants of the Lord. So perhaps there's a benefit in identifying with the servant, the slave, or the employee, and dealing with the employer as if he has authority to speak to you. Verse 24 lets you know that not everyone thinks that way because all servants must settle up with the master. So if you've been given a job to do, the question is, will you do it for him? But all servants must settle up with the master. Verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Look at the mentality of this servant. He's coming to God not with a grateful heart, with, with brazenness and boldness, telling God about himself or telling the master about himself. Instead, you know, this is, this is something that happens why sometimes people don't serve. It's because they don't believe that the master has given them good enough conditions. Well, if, 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 if they asked nicer, if they didn't have as big a mess. He said, I knew you were hard. He's saying the character of his master is hard. The one who just gave him 20 years worth of wages is hard. How often do we accuse God of letting us down when life doesn't go our way and missing the opportunity that we have to serve him with what we do have? It's an opportunity. He said, you're a hard man. And you take from people. You steal. You reap where you didn't sow. See, when you don't do your part, you're saying something about the character of God when he delivers to you the part he wants you to do. There are people in this world who want to spend more time telling God where he has failed than taking advantage of where God is making you a winner. Because it's more blessed to give than receive, he's not taking away from these stewards. He's giving to them. And he says, he goes on in, in verse, uh, oh, look, look at this. He says, he hid the talent. Then he, because uh, I don't want to miss this. This is good because I, I had this thought. I don't. He said, I was afraid and I hid. So not only did he cover up the talent with dirt, not only did he hide himself, he was afraid. What does that sound like? Where else did, did that happen in the Bible? Genesis. They, 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 they tried to cover up their own self. They hid and they were afraid. It's sin. It's locked in sin. 
And they would have stayed in that condition except the Lord wrestled them down and they surrendered to his will. These are, this man is showing that he's in complete opposition to the work of God, the way of God, the will of God. He doesn't want anything to do with God. But yet the Bible would say in another version that he is masquerading as a hypocrite within the group because he's still one of the servants that was given something, but he does not have a heart that's aligned with God. What happens to believers is we all, we, 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 we all take on the title, but we all don't prove that we can live up to that title by the way we live our lives. Thank you, Richard. I needed that amen. God bless you. Come again next Sunday. <laughs> said, I knew, and here's what God said, but his master answered, I'm not the problem. He said, you wicked and slothful servant, you're the one that's out of order. You're the one that is irksome. You're the one that is, that is lazy. You're the one that's not doing your work or pulling your weight or doing your part. You're pointing the finger at me, but really you're the problem. If you knew that I reap where I did not sow and I gather where I did not scatter, then you ought to have invested my money into the bank and at the coming, I would, I would have received what was owed with interest. He said, There's, because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and I'm the boss, and I'm the master, and I get to tell you what to do, even when you don't like me, even when you don't like the circumstances, even when you don't like the situation, even when you want to point the finger, even when you can call something out and it's exactly uh, what it is. You need to know who you are versus who I am. I am the boss, and I'm coming back. And when people are foolish, they don't pay attention to the fact that I'm offering them a great salvation and a great opportunity to be a part of an everlasting kingdom. Well, when people do pay attention, they know that I'm giving them a great stewardship and an opportunity to love the very thing that I laid my life down to love. And, and, and in this case, I want you to know that this man is omitting. He's not necessarily committing to sin. In other words, he didn't embezzle the money. I want you to say that. He didn't like, he didn't embezzle it. He didn't blow it. He just didn't do nothing with it. God is calling him wicked just because he didn't do anything. You and I have the responsibility to do something with the talent he has given you. You cannot sit on it. You cannot hold it back. He said you at least should have invested it. You should have found the least thing that you could do so that you can show productivity because I'm a part of an ever-increasing kingdom and I'm coming back. And, if the, and he said, and if the owner of the house would have known at what hour he would have been broken into, he would have stayed up. If we knew what hour Jesus was coming back, we knew exactly when it was, we would do what we wanted to do and wait till the last minute and we'd get it right. But he doesn't leave you like that. He leaves you in a state where you have to focus on him even when he's gone on a long journey, you don't come back. And when he went on that long journey and came back, he judged each person individually. You're going to have to settle your account with him individually. You're going to have to reckon and reconcile. You're going to have to list what he told you versus what you did. You're going to have to be dealt with like Cain and Abel, where the Bible says that Cain offered something to the Lord, but Abel offered by faith, or, or in other words, according to exactly what God wanted. You're not the master. I'm not the master. We have to do what he wants, the way he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. All servants must settle up with the master to you wicked 
The last two verses say this. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10. That just seemed like the Lord's math is wrong. Why don't you take that talent from the guy who didn't do well and just give it to the poor? Because he gives according to your ability. The guy with 10 can be trusted because he was always increasing what the Lord gave him. Sometimes we want more, but we can't, we can't demonstrate a faithfulness over the little bit. I didn't never know when I came to this church that I would become the senior pastor. I didn't know when I was assigned, when I was at a time of service, they assigned me to be a parking lot usher and an usher on the inside. Ushering cars in the rain, ushering cars in the snow, ushering cars for part of the three or four services that we had here uh, every Sunday, needing to get the tape to hear the message because I was serving and you couldn't get the tape. And, and then when they invited me to the World Conference, I thought, man, somebody is starting to see who I am. I had to pay my own way and they only brought me there so I could be an usher. I paid for it. I thought when they invited me, this is good. They're probably going to reimburse me. It's like, no. You know, and they said, you're on the floor. No, I was making sure that the wrong people didn't get on the floor. I was the usher. But it's okay because that was my stewardship. And there's something that God rewards when you're faithful over a little. He can make ruler over much. And I can tell you that time in the parking lot, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about uh, being available to Jesus and loving it. And every time somebody asks me to do something more, I can't understand why I kept volunteering. I teach, keep, teach all the classes, teach the youth. Go, go to, I had eight life groups at the time. And I didn't have pay. Where we're from, Debbie and I in church, they don't even pay you to do none of these jobs. It's all volunteers. Oh, excuse me. We don't believe in volunteers. We believe in, yeah. Volunteer denotes you got a choice. (laughs) Service denotes you got a boss. And I don't want to mischaracterize God by calling him a boss because you'll never have a boss more loving than him, more patient than him, more kind than him, more understanding that you need a few days off, that you need a break. He's not exacting from you, but he is directing you. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in the place where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the proof that as they settled up, the believers were rewarded. The true sinners that never repented were judged. Why are they all called servants? Because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. But this is not a life in keeping with repentance. I'm, I'm telling you, you have to search your own heart, but there is some type of a correlation between how you function inside the body of Christ or don't that proves that you have accepted his lordship. Some of you obviously may need to get born again for the first time. And some of you are just living like an unsaved person. But you're saved. You are a Christian. Let me leave you with this scripture to give you joy. 
1 Peter 4.10, Amplified Version. It says, just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it, use it, invest it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's manifold grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. I'm going to read it again. No, you're going to read it. Read it out loud. Ready? Read. Next week, Pastor Dave Ward is going to be teaching about your overall big gift you need to be given for God. But all of us, 100% of us, need to be offering our gifts, making the smallest investments. And I believe that our smallest investments start right here in the house of God. Charity starts at home. We've got to no longer, I was, a, a, a woman was telling me how if she didn't have the children's ministry to watch her kids so she could, in this only time, hear the word of God, that she doesn't know she can make it from week to week. Today, we didn't have a fifth and sixth class, B56, because some anointed person in our congregation hadn't come forward yet to lead it. There are three classrooms that in children's ministry that are not open right now. We should have 10 people out in that parking lot greeting and ushering in. Yes, God is going to give us a harvest, but it takes getting ready for it. I want you to reach forward because remember, I started by saying nobody wants a sign-up sheet, but now you got a reason to get one from Jesus. Pull out your sign. See that sign-up? Remember I said that? Now just grab your sign-up sheet and wave it at me. It's in front of you. Yep, wave it at me. Go ahead and start filling it out. The problem is I've been at this church almost 20 years and I've been a part of several times. You feel it? I mean, this is not a time to look at me. I want you to, this is 100% participation. Remember, they were all his servants. They were all his servants. Please, pull your card out. And all the time, I fill out some cards, and, and I look in the class. I thought we just had 100 people volunteer to usher. And I walk up to somebody, did you volunteer to usher? They didn't call me, Pastor Jane. I said, but we got a call log to say they called you, left two emails, and text you. But then I realized, oh, that's what I do. I know how to ignore texts. I know how to ignore emails. I know how to say this is for those people who really need to do those jobs. I'm telling you, when he looked at that servant, he said, you could have just put my money in the bank and got the smallest investment. Believe it or not, a church our size, it only takes a small investment. So I want you to pull this card out and write your name, email, phone number, 
And you're going to see it again next week. And I want you to check at least two areas where you can serve. You do not have to be skilled. You have to be what? Willing. Willing. We're trying to do whatever you need to do. But we have our new church in Bethel Dixon. And they, they serve. These people inspire me. If you hear, if you go to meet our congregation in Bethel Dixon, they put their own drywall up in the building. They laid their carpet. They painted the building. They, didn't have, they haven't had a pastor in about seven years. They had to do everything themselves. They inspire me. Today, many of them are signing an additional card. You know what that card says that they're signing their congregation right now because they hear me? Their card says, for the next 24 months, I'm committed to attend, to serve, to give, and disciple. They're going the extra mile. We're just asking you to serve. But I, but I know you will lead the way. There's a QR code on here that you, can, that you can put your phone over. And if you're not sure where you really fit, there's a survey that Pastor Bryson designed that will help lead you to an area, a, a service, and to connect you directly. There is no excuse. 100%. Someone said, well, I'm in this season where God just has me resting. I just hear from the, I just feel like the Lord, I got the, I got the, the Lord is telling me the rest is over. It's over. It's over. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling resurrection. You, you've been resurrected. You needed somebody to clear. Cause I know you couldn't figure out when it was over. It's over. That's over. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's over. If you get up at next Sunday and say, them the same people who work the camera. You don't just wait. They, they're not getting a check. They need you. You can work a camera. Just point. Don't mess up the focus because the online need to hear it. And that's just it. My point is. <laughs> My point is. It's your moment. I'm going to pray for you. And once you fill it out, I want you to just pass it to the right. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we wouldn't hear a man speaking. We would hear your voice through all the other fun things and the word of God. We would hear you speaking to us specifically about how to invest our talent. Lord, while we know there's big overall things, there's some basic things that we could be doing to just gain interest. Help us to be faithful. Help us never to forget that you're not just the master and the boss, you're a rewarder. You're a rewarder. You just, you just pour. You're not giving to get. You want us to be blessed. Thank you so much, God, for touching each heart. In Jesus' name, amen.